Support for this podcast comes from Wreckfest 2. Wreckfest 2 is the in-house recruitment festival of the summer with an incredible lineup of speakers and the biggest conversation of like-minded recruiters in the world. Wreckfest 2 is taking place on July the 9th aboard the HMS President in London. Get 50% off your ticket to the conversation right now by going to wreckfest2.com and using the discount code PODCAST. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi, and welcome to episode 11 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Tech recruitment is always a big discussion point in our industry. In this episode, I talk to top tech recruiter Matt Buckland about the challenges he faces and the techniques he uses to find the best talent for Shoreditch-based tech startups. Recently, Matt also briefly became the most famous recruiter on Twitter, when one of his tweets went massively viral, something we also talk about in the interview. Hi everyone, and welcome to another Recruiting Future podcast interview. Um, today I'm in sunny Shoreditch, and it is actually quite sunny, um, talking to Matt Buckland from Forward Partners. Matt, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, my name is Matt, uh, as you just said. Um, I am the head of talent for Forward Partners. We're a, a venture capital firm uh, who invest in idea stage to kind of mid-seed levels. So it can be anything from just a PowerPoint and an idea right the way up to a company that already has some growth and we give them money. We also give them access to development, design, talent, uh, marketing, expertise in-house in the hope that we can accelerate their growth. But we're not an accelerator. Ah, fantastic, (laughs) fantastic. Uh, And we're sharing the room with a stuffed cat. Yes. Would you like to tell us about the stuffed cat? Uh, So our room names are um, supposedly indicative of our culture um, and we are sat in Schrodinger's box because it was the smallest room um, <laughs> looks like a little box and we have a stuffed cat as you, as you would in Schrodinger's yeah, box yeah. Um, fantastic so um, there's lots of things I want to talk about um, you know, particularly uh, you know, tech recruitment in Shoreditch and all that sort of stuff but um, no interview with you should start without uh, talking about the, uh, the, the recent events um, um, that, that occurred where you, you briefly became the most famous person on Twitter. Um, do, do you want to sort of talk us through what happens in your what happened in your own words? Uh, yeah, yeah, certainly. So, so now I, w- I will just say that my celebrity has well and truly petered out completely. We are in full decline at the moment, <laughs> so um, it feels safe to talk about it. Um, uh, it was a normal day, as the best stories start, and uh, I commute to work uh, in from further east and uh, had an altercation on the train with, uh, with a chap who thought I had blocked him. He pushed past me and I said, sorry, uh, in a very sort of sarcastic way. And he suggested I might like to go and F myself. As, nice. as I tweeted, yeah. yeah. Um, Standard London commuting practice. Pretty much, yeah. and nothing out of the ordinary for, yeah. for London commuting, for people who aren't in London, that's kind of an everyday occurrence. Um, then, uh, later in the evening, I had uh, an interviewee coming in, and it was surprising for me, as the interviewee who came in was the same chap. Okay. Um, which was fun, uh, but before I went into the interview, I thought, this is hilarious, and I tweeted it. It was about 20 past five. Went into the interview, came out, had 3,000 retweets. 
Um, the next day it was about 5,000, and I think we're currently around 25,000 retweets, so it occasionally bubbles up again, <laughs> and then I go and wonder why that this wow. has happened. Um, but it, uh, it, it went, this is the, 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 the most viral that I've ever been, so we went to... Uh, um, BuzzFeed, the BBC, front page news of the BBC. Um, so uh, there's even the Hebrew Times and the China Post. Wow. Um, but what pleasing to me, obviously, is to validate my own stereotypes, the most hatred for me personally came from the Daily Mail. Um, so that <laughs> hated just, by the Daily Mail. Absolutely. Always a, always it, was, it was things like, I wouldn't take the job anyway, look at this expletive yeah and I'm like thanks for that thanks. so so if I ever had that ego boost they soon kicked me in and how, well, so. how many uh, it, it was in the media kind of everywhere how many countries did uh, did you reach uh, 58 at the last count and I, and I only know this because the best thing to come out of it has been this uh, data set yes so, so then the, the, the presentations on you know, do you have to pay to grow yeah. to, to get this? No, you don't. You don't. You just have to have something that resonates. Yeah. Um, and that's been the most fun for me. That and the collecting the insults. Yes. Yeah, you, you've shown me some of the insults. Yeah. And there are some classics. Yeah. People even emailing uh, your boss demanding you were fired. Yes, yes. Um, we have a contact address for forward partners. And one chap suggested that I... Uh, I was in the wrong and should be fired immediately. I know that he was going to call the police, actually. Um, wow. Daily Mail reader, of course. <laughs> um, you can tell. You can excellent, tell. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there, there we are. That's, that's, that's how you're famous, <laughs> uh, how you're famous on, on, on Twitter. Um, probably unrepeatable, I'd imagine, in terms of being able to pull it off again. Or do you think, uh, have you got your next big viral campaign? The, the next ready one to go? tweet. So, so the other things that I've done that have, have been viral, I think um, humour is a great so, so they yeah. say that it's either anger or humour that you should use to really kind of get this stuff it's hard to make people angry um, some people just generally are yeah. back to the Daily Mail um, but um, that humour stuff I, I think that really goes quite viral I did a there was another picture of uh, Tim Berners-Lee and uh, Shingy from AOL talking about their job titles oh AOL's digital profit yeah yes. so the yeah. digital profit versus Tim Berners-Lee whose job title on uh, on a television appearance was web developer. Um, you could argue it's the web developer. Um, but uh, said, put the two and then said, next time you use a grandiose title on LinkedIn, look at this. Yes. Um, so it was funny for us, and I thought a small world, but even that was sort of 6,000 retweets. Wow. And that, the, 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 the knock-on effect of that. So the audiences can be huge yeah. um, out yeah. of nothing. Yeah. Um, but again... Not really related to me filling jobs. No, which is um, <laughs> which is going to be my next question. Yeah. Actually, we should probably talk about recruitment. Yeah. Um, so, uh, tech recruitment, Shoreditch, uh, huge amounts of stuff gets written about um, <clears throat> you know what it's like to recruit tech people, what the problems are, all that kind of stuff. What's it actually like? What's it like on the ground um, finding talent for your startups? Uh, it's tough. It, it is tough um, it, for different reasons. So, if you're uh, single founder looking for a co-founder it's normally the case you're looking for a techie to help you build something yeah for those people without funding that's really hard um you'll go to meetups and you're basically begging bowl at that point come and help me build something for for the belief not for money not yeah. for anything else just for the belief and that's kind of like the the lower level but people do believe those and, and you know you do see those partnerships come in i think the next level is people who receive some funding or have something that they're actually getting paid to do yeah. at the moment um, 
and that gets you a little bit further so yeah. you, can, you can offer something um, but there are people out there who just want to work in startups so while it's tough to find them if you have a compelling message mm. and you talk to them in the right way people will take salary cuts they will um, there is that belief in a bright new future or, yeah. or the way of working that's very different so in some cases uh, Shoreditch and Oh, silicon roundabout as people call it has been quite a draw to yeah. pull those people out of corporates because yeah. if you're a, a, a middling Java developer in an investment bank but you desperately want to work in Scala and you mm. can call yourself mm. a CEO, CTO why wouldn't you want to do that particularly yeah. if it comes with greater responsibility greater uh, autonomy all of those great things and I think the, the, the silicon roundabout thing is interesting because um, you know that lived in London for a long time and it's old street roundabout yeah. um, in its uh, yeah, somewhat ugly state but um, I, you know I've been, at, I've been at meetups and things like that in New York where people are talking about it and desperate to, to work on Silicon Roundabout it's, uh, is it, from, an, from someone who's outside of the tech sector it's, it's quite interesting in terms of the draw that it seems to have exactly and I think the reality is not that at all mm. um, and the Silicon Roundabout thing is, is, is a joke it's it's almost like adding digital in front of something. Like there's an analog way of doing something. Yeah. I just, there isn't. <laughs> um, so it, it smacks of sort of the government's involvement in these yeah. things. Um, and when it wins votes, they'll be very keen to do it. Um, when it doesn't win votes, they're less keen. Um, so at the moment, we're all very anti-immigration coming up to the election. Well, the Silicon Roundabout would love there to be more immigration of people they could employ. Of course, yeah. Um, and, and those sort of things are at odds with each other. Um, so we would look for, at the moment, I would love there to be a, a lowering of the barriers yeah. to, of, of, of qualified people coming in, admittedly, yeah. which I'm sure that people could get on board with. But it would be a very different message than, you know, we're going to close borders. We'd yeah, probably win more votes outside of our one mile square radius of Old Street Roundabout. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, in terms of sort of specific, um, you know, sort of specific technology issues, what are the where are the biggest skill shortages at the moment? Do you think in the sector is that a certain type of developer? What's the um, you know where's the current problem? So for for most startups, uh, language is fashion. Okay. So the, the language they use to to develop in becomes fashionable. Yeah. So last year we were all Ruby. It was yes, of course. Ruby, Ruby was everything, and this year not at all. Oh, so okay. um, I'm not going to say something outlandish like Ruby doesn't scale because there are proofs that it does. Yep. But um, this this year it seems to be Python. Python. Um, okay. What we've found in house at Forward is that the Python developers tend to be able they have a, a better understanding of the, the bare bones of computer science. So it's much more mathematical than perhaps Ruby is, which is more um, you, you can be a very bad Ruby developer by yeah. stitching things together. Um, it's very much more difficult to do that in Python. What we look for is more the ability to uh, be a polyglot. So yes, you are a Python dev, but tomorrow we want you to, to build a mobile app, and the next day we want you to do something different. And then whatever language is in fashion after exactly, that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. So it's kind of the more core skills. Yeah, the, and, and it's kind of like your. It, it's that language acquisition that we look yeah. for. So if you're a if you're a Java developer or a C-sharp developer now, you're probably not going to do that in a startup. Yeah. But are all of your open source contributions in Scala, Lisp, Erlang, and the hipster languages, yeah. then hell yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah. It's, it's funny actually how it developed. I mean, back in 
uh, you know, back in the early 2000s when I was running um, development teams, you know, finding people who could do HTML was a, yeah. <laughs> was a, was a, was a challenge. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's funny. And how, how do you go about finding these people? How, how, you know, how do you find these experienced developers and you know, bring, bring them into so your businesses? I've worked in massively large companies um, as well as sort of now these I recruit for companies in our portfolio which is one person the founder looking for a developer okay. so how do you recruit for that how do you recruit for those smaller teams and you have to do so much more um, it's not a case of um, often they have no brand at all there yeah. is no brand often they don't even exist yet in any real form of course yeah. so you'll come and build this uh, what is this mm. um, it, for those it's more about the opportunity so if you can offer for, for a developer a problem to solve so um, that can be scale or complexity of the issue yeah. so offer someone some amazing machine learning algorithm to build and they'll want to do it um, whether they'll be any good at it is another question yeah. um, but also then the, the scale of that so we have people who would be particularly interested in taking something which works for 10 users and making it scale to a thousand okay um, and that's an interesting problem to solve yeah. Um, yeah. for them in particular finding them mostly now the good recruitment in Shoreditch and in the east end of London at large is done through community okay interesting so it's done through meetups and all of this stuff and it's never explicit we kind Mm. of play this cloak and dagger game in startup (laughs) which is if you have an event space you have a great benefit because you can invite people in and not explicitly sell to them, we are hiring, we are hiring. Ah, Instead, yeah. of course your meetup group can use my event space. And they come in and then you go, oh, did you enjoy that? Yes, don't worry. What building are we in? Oh, it's this building. Ah, and you just... Yes, yes, yes. And yes, it, it's, yes. It, there's, there's, a, there's a great kind of psychologically implicit sell that happens, which is very different than come and work for me, which is more old school. Though. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, uh, it's really interesting. And I, I'm... I'm uh, I was in Silicon Valley three years ago doing some interviewing there and um, I remember uh, Foursquare were doing very much the same thing they weren't a very well known brand there and they were just hosting they were hosting meetups and providing free beer and um, <laughs> literally trying to get yeah. people to stay at the yeah. end and, and kind of work and I see it done really badly because um, startup you have this certain set of stereotypical needs to, to, to quantify what a startup is mm. so I've tried to run uh, meetups at larger organisations and an events manager takes over, and before you know it, instead of a bucket of beer and pizza, you've got canapes. Yes. And I'm like, wow, this feels very strange. And then you get several bewildered-looking devs looking around going, I think I'm in the right place, but I'm very uncomfortable with this. So it's... Interesting. It's, it's different. No, that's cool. Um, you mentioned machine learning algorithms. Now, um, it seems to be a growing trend in 2015 to debate whether um, a recruiter can be p- replaced by an algorithm. So, um, you know, I know uh, you've got some particular views on this. So, can a recruiter be replaced by an algorithm? What do, what do you think? No. <laughs> Excellent. And, end, uh, end of question. No, no, no. <laughs> and, um, uh, why do you think that? Uh, okay, so, so there, there is a growing need, uh, and it's been said by a lot of people, um, that software will eat the world, yeah. um, which is largely true in, in a lot of cases. Um, so there are industries which are ripe for disruption and recruitment at its face looks like an industry which is ripe for disruption yeah. there's the trope that recruitment is broken and people recite this like a mantra, I'm yeah. going to solve it, I'm going to solve it but the people who create the tools that are solving this problem are often solving for their own edge case mm. so there'll be a developer 
normally. Yeah. Um, and they'll build a tool which might look like a marketplace where recruiters can come and bid on their skill sets. Like that's great. That solves for your edge case. Mm. That mm. is an edge case. That that's not a generalization about the industry at large. Exactly. Yeah. And if it works in one company, there's no guarantee it will work for another company. Yeah. Because you've satisfied the hiring criteria for one person. It's like saying that everyone who works for company X is brilliant. So we yeah. want to steal from company X. I'm like, no, they're brilliant for company X. They might not necessarily be brilliant for you. Mm. Then we have uh, a kind of a, a really naive buyer base for HR tech in, in the industry at the moment. They're not very technical. And uh, the word algorithm has become synonymous with problem solving. Yeah. So, oh, it has an algorithm. I will definitely use this. Absolutely. Um, and I think it works. Or it appears to work for very, very large numbers. So the law of large numbers takes over, which is we made 20 hires from this, and we made 3,000 hires from this. Mm. And what we forget in all that is that algorithms are biased too, because they are built by a person. Yeah. They are biasing for selection on things they opt to weight heavier than other things, which no one really seems to ever comment on, that an algorithm can be biased as well. Like if it's created by someone, it has their biases. And I think that's an interesting point. I think that's because lots of people don't actually quite they don't know what it is. They don't know what it is. Yeah. So sorry, carry on. So, so you end up with this kind of this weird construction that what the buyer base thinks an algorithm does, and what the implementer of an algorithm thinks an algorithm is, are completely different things. Mm. And the, the, there's a, something in the semantics now, which is, oh, we've got an algorithm. That must be amazing. And I sound like I'm quoting Ken Ward, but oh, it's got an algorithm. You've got to have an algorithm, and and that's that's become the thing to have and it's well why is that the case and it's not because that is beneficial to the candidate being hired because often in these cases the candidate is reduced to a commodity which yeah. is the worst possible experience if ever you are using a tool and you can mass email someone or you're you're using software to distance yourself from the real human experience that's terrible mm. you're not ordering toilet paper online that's a person you want to encourage to change jobs. That's up there. I mean, yeah. you can move house, yeah, yeah. you can get divorced or change jobs. The most stressful things, that's very different than just slide drag and drop. Very often, in, uh, particularly in the sort of recruitment you do, you're, you're not, it's not just changing jobs, it's changing locations or countries or cities or, you know, so it's moving house. And, and entire lifestyles yeah, as yeah, well. So, yeah. so in the world of tech, and, and in, particularly in startup, take a real gamble on this. It's not like you're moving from one of the big four to the other big four, and yeah. you can see your old office from your new desk, which is literally the case on yes, the South Bank, yes, which is very strange. Yeah. Um, but, oh, look, wave to your ex-colleagues through the window. Yeah. Um, that doesn't happen here. We might be saying, take a salary cut. We might be saying, um, this is a massive step up. We might be saying, you'll be learning every day. And mm. these are very different mm. things than the old models. So an algorithm solves for mass production. Yeah. It solves for a business which is of a certain size and it solves for a business which is of a certain empathy level with the people right. who apply. Yeah. And in those cases, it can look like it works. Yeah. But I guarantee yeah. you're going to have more people who would never apply for your company again after yes. going through this process than would say, that was amazing. Because when it's amazing, you've over-communicated, you've brought them on, they are, uh, they are a net promoter. These, these, these things exist. We can yeah, borrow from yeah. other disciplines. They are a promoter for you, and they will evangelize about how great that process was. And it won't be because 
I got a great email. It will be, <laughs> a recruiter talked me through it. They gave me great feedback. They were there when I wanted them. Yeah. Those things. It won't be, I did a, an oblique video interview and it upset me and I answered questions and then they came back to me via email and then I did some online testing and got an email and then I met with a person. And it's like the, the fifth step is, a, is another human being. Before then, you've just kind of ring-fenced them off and yeah. kept them away. Okay. So what's next? What's next for recruitment? What do you, what do you think is going to happen in the next uh, you know, three to five years? I think one of the, the, the... So I think the more it changes, the more it stays the same, is the cliche I'll adopt for this one. Yep. Because um, as we were discussing before we started there's not much new that happens. Um, technology as an enabler of the recruiter is where I'm interested. Allow us to do the things we do well faster and better. So those are things like uh, communication channels, um, what, does, uh, what does Slack look like in recruitment, or something mm. like this, you know, the instant messaging thing, that's kind of interesting. Um, I don't think it looks like artificial talent pools. I don't think it looks like video recruitment. There's a, there's a trend of whatever new technology, how can we use this for recruitment? Yep. And I think it stems from people whose only interaction with technology is in recruitment. Right, okay. Yeah. So they, whatever new thing comes along, it's like, let's use Pinterest for recruitment. And I'm like, no, Pinterest is for interior design. Mm. That's, or I'm I mean, planning a wedding. Uh, you know, yeah, it was very useful for planning my wedding, Pinterest. Exactly. Um, it was great. Exactly, but, but all yeah. you've got is, you're using it as pictures on a website. Yeah, absolutely. So you could do yeah. that better through another medium. Yeah. Um, so I think perhaps what I'd like to see next in recruitment is that recruiters are okay with the fact that this is a discipline. Okay. Recruitment is its own unique discipline. We're not marketers, we're not salespeople. We borrow from those disciplines, but it is a unique set of things that we all have. Once I think we accept that, then we'll be able to use tools better to augment that. Fantastic. So at the moment, we're okay. just, we're trying to use sledgehammers and we should be watchmakers. We there we are. Beautiful there's, the, tools. there's the quote. <laughs> there's In 140 the quote. characters Perfect. as well. That's the next, uh, <laughs> the next big viral, uh, viral. There we go. Story. Not sledgehammers, watchmakers. Fantastic. Thank you very much for talking to me. Thank and you. Thanks to Schrodinger's Cat as well for hosting us on this podcast. Thank you. That was Matt Buckland. As ever, you can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and on Stitcher or in any good podcast app. Alternatively, you can listen to past episodes at www.rfpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. <laughs>